Hello, and welcome back to the Fascinating Jobs Podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie Wilson. On this episode of the podcast, I'm sitting down with Brendan Kumar Sami, public speaking coach and creator of the popular YouTube channel Master Talk, where he gives tips and lessons to improve your public speaking. Brendan also has lots of great resources to help you, yes, you, get over your public speaking fears. As always, please leave a review wherever you listen if you like this podcast. It helps us to get recognized. With that, let's get into episode number three with Brendan. All right. So hi, Brendan. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'm excited to have you. How are you? Great. Great to be here, Mackenzie. How about you? I'm doing well. Thank you. So how did you get started with public speaking? Yeah, of course. So the short story about me was when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. So think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were, you know, playing college football or rugby or soccer. Or watching the games, clearly two things I'm not really equipped for, as you can probably look at me and judge. What I did instead was I would watch other people present, and that's what I did competitively. So for three years, I presented over 500 times, coached dozens of people on public speaking. So by the time I was 22, I graduated, and then I got a job in the corporate world. But what happened after was I said, what can I do to make a difference in the world? That's when the idea for Master Talk came to be. Because I've realized that a lot of the public speaking information sucked on the internet. So I wanted to do something about it. So I started making videos in my mother's basement. One thing led to another, and here we are today. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm a public forum debater. Um, I completely understand, big nerd here too, about the speeches. And I definitely agree that there's like a lack of resources for speech and debate online, but it's such a great activity and it's just a nice way to get involved. So how did you work up the courage to kind of post your first YouTube video? That must have been kind of nerve wracking. Oh, it was. I'm sure when you started your podcast, it must have been nerve wracking as well. I think the advice I have for people, which is pretty dark, but I think adds a lot of value, is the uh, this idea of who are you trying to help? So one question I ask myself every time is who suffers from our inability to take action? So every day that we make the decision not to do something, who suffers? So in my case, my persona, the person I'm trying to help, is someone who's very similar to you, just probably maybe three, five years younger, who can't afford a speech coach, you know, who wants to make a difference in the world, but can't afford somebody who's like, you know, $1,000 an hour. But they want to raise a bit of money for charity. They want to start a podcast. They want to share an idea that matters. If I don't share the videos, if I don't make the content, nobody will do it. So if you're 16 years old, you're 15 years old, you go on the internet, you try and find a speech coach, you got a bunch of old white dudes who are making content, you're not relatable to them. You can't relate. Whereas I'm 24, right? So people like you or people who are younger than you can at least relate to me. So I think the idea is if you're really clear on the person that you're doing this for, it's a lot easier for you to take action. So it took me three weeks to post my first video. It sucked. I didn't like it. But I just kept posting it every week because people were listening. And then over time, you know, it grew. Yeah, that's like a great first story. And I think that's, you know, a conversation that we've had on other episodes, too, is just the idea that, like, your first content is never your best. And, I mean, the first episode of this podcast, I was tripping over my words. And each time it gets better. So just kind of sticking with whatever you're trying to do is really great. So you mentioned that you kind of got your start out and you've been presenting a ton. So what's the biggest difference you notice between presenting yourself and then like coaching other people to present? That's a great question. I would say the biggest difference 
is it's a lot easier for you to critique other people's presentations than your own. So if you think about me as a professional speaker now, I still get a lot of feedback from a lot of my old friends who used to run me through walls when I was in university. Obviously, figuratively. <laughs> but the idea is, you know, like, it's hard for me to see, oh, like, these are the mistakes I'm making as a speaker. But it's very easy for someone with a third eye to go, Brendan, you sound way too aggressive. What is your hair? It looks so weird. Like, what are you doing with your face? What are you doing with this? And they're very critical. So that way I'm very thoughtful about the way that I speak to them. So I think the big difference is when you're speaking yourself, it's very hard to coach yourself. But when you're coaching other people, it's very easy to see the flaws in people's speaking if they're open to hearing it. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because I feel like sometimes if you do something yourself, it's like a nervous tick or something like that. You don't necessarily notice that you do it. So I think you mentioned that you have obviously your master taught courses, but where are some places that beginner public speakers could start learning? Yeah, for sure. So, so Master Talk is actually a free YouTube channel where I share like tips for, for, for beginners too. So, so I would I would start there. But I think at the beginning, the first step is definitely watching videos, podcast resources. And the other place I would go to is to find a community of accountability. So for example, you could go to a Toastmasters club. It's like 80 bucks for six months. It's not really that expensive. So that's a great way for people to, to get a feel for public speaking, to think about it every week. And then to do simple exercises that we can demonstrate today, uh, Mackenzie, is yeah. what I call the random word exercise. So why don't you just give me a random word? Um, tree. Okay, so what I need to do with tree is I need to create a presentation out of thin air. So here I go. As I'm walking in the meadow on a Tuesday afternoon, I notice the breeze of the air. I notice the kids playing in the park and I notice how beautiful this moment is. But in addition to the environments in which we live in, trees make up a big part of that environment too. You know, we think that trees are just, you know, plants, but trees are a lot more than just that. They represent centuries of protection. They represent ways in which we can protect ourselves from a hot summer day. And they're the building blocks of the very society in which we live in because they create air that is worth breathing in. That's exactly why today I'm going to be talking about the history of trees, why trees are important, and why we should be planting a lot more of them. So this is an example of something that I just invented out of thin air. First thing I want to mention, don't compare yourself to me. I've literally done this exercise 2,000 times. And I'm not exaggerating those numbers. I'm just pretty much forced to do it every time on a podcast. <laughs> the other thing that I want to mention is all I'm asking for is five minutes of your day every day. Pick five random things, tissue box, mattress, a light bulb, tree, and do one minute each. And if you do that for a year, you'll have done the exercise over 1,800 times, which is pretty much as much as I've done it. Last thing I want to say on this is if you can present hippos for a minute and still hold your own, imagine when you go back to a presentation that you're an expert in something you've been presenting for years, something you actually care about. It's going to be much easier for you to do that. Yeah, and I think that like through speech and debate, we learn lots of speaking drills. Like, you know, we always do the one where you hold the pen in your mouth and you say your speech and oh, all sorts cool. of different things. Yeah, so I think that's like a really cool way, just kind of like the spontaneity of it. Um, so why did you choose to offer your master talk courses through YouTube, you know, as like a free platform instead of charging for them? Yeah, for sure. So, so obviously I have my own services and whatnot, but I think the reason why I started MasterTalk 
was because I wanted to democratize the information on public speaking. So I'll give you an example. Dale Carnegie, where as we all know, you know, public speaking expert, you know, lots of great books and things. But the issue with Dale's work is that he was born at the wrong time period of history, which means we don't know what he sounds like. We don't know how he presents. So we can't actually learn from Dale. We can only learn from the words in a book, which is unfortunate. I got lucky in life because I learned a lot of those communication skills at a really young age. But I'm also born in a time period where all of the cost of production, like to do this very podcast probably would have cost a crazy amounts of money like 20 years ago. And today you're just on a Zoom call and it doesn't cost you a thing besides like the mic that you probably spent buying. So because of that, we live in this weird era where we actually have the opportunity to be, to be that Dale Carnegie figure where after I die, people can still access all of the information for free. So that's the ultimate goal and why I want to make them free. Yeah, I think that's like a really admirable goal and definitely, yeah, like just kind of getting like more people interested in learning about it and making it more accessible to other people. So how would you say that people in general could benefit from becoming better public speakers? Right. The, the way that I kind of explain this is public speaking is not a presentation. Public speaking is everything. Right? It's a conversation you have with your loved one. It's the way that you communicate with the partners that you have in your life. It's the way that you try and get a job in an interview. It's the way that you sell yourself to other people. And if you can master one area of that, whether it's a conversation, whether it's a presentation, your communication skills in general will increase. And the benefits of that and the best way to get there is if you have an idea worth sharing, an idea doesn't have to be a revolutionary YouTube channel where you share a bunch of public speaking tips with people. It could just be a cupcake recipe, you know, that have been passed down for generations that you feel is going to die if you don't share it with people because nobody wants to cook cupcakes anymore in your family or bake, I mean. But the idea is ideas aren't uh, Nobel Prize winning. They just need to be something that adds value to something else. And I believe everyone has a great idea. And that's why I wanted to be that bridge for everybody to share it. Yeah, definitely. So what would you say is the most challenging part about coaching people in public speaking or making YouTube videos? What's the most challenging aspect about that? I would say the most challenging aspect is probably the content piece in my specific niche. Because in public speaking, what can you actually talk about? Like, is this, like there's ums and ahs, silences, eye contact. you got to run out of ideas really quickly. So you have to be really creative about the way that you think about content. That's why I write my content three years in advance, so I'm never stressed. So for example, as of this recording, I think I have content till May of 2022 or something. Oh, wow. Well, the reason, just so people know, I'm not traveling nearly as much as I used to. Hence why the hair. But that's the <laughs> thing, right? Like, I don't travel as much. So I'm writing YouTube videos every day now. Like, I wrote my one for today, like, a couple of hours ago for this call. So I'm always creating new stuff, and I'm always asking my audience, what else should I do? And then somebody had an idea, why don't you break down other speakers? I was like, genius, and I start writing stuff on that. So it's always being creative and getting feedback from other people. Yeah, so kind of branching off of that, how do you come up with new ideas for public speaking tips or videos or things along those lines? Absolutely. So the way that I do it is simple. Uh, I just have a lot of smart people that I'm friends with that are way smarter than me. And who, who just go, well, you didn't talk about this. Well, you didn't talk about that. Well, this sucks. Do something else. So I'm just writing. I'm just like, oh, this is great. <laughs> this is great <laughs> advice. So, and then the other things, I get inspiration in areas that have nothing to do with public speaking. 
So one thing, you know, not to be corny or anything, but a couple of days ago, I wrote a, a video called The Three Lessons I Learned from Roses that apply to any presentation. So you're probably looking at there like, that doesn't make any sense, right? And that's the point. How can you create new knowledge that doesn't exist by getting inspiration from things that have nothing to do with public speaking? I'll give you a quick example. So one of the videos I did was the three lessons I learned from karaoke that applies to presentations. And one of those tips that literally nobody has talked about in the world is this idea that the best way to practice pronunciation is to sing songs in languages you don't know. Why is that important? Why is that, why is that interesting? The reason is because most people won't practice pronouncing words because it's boring. You won't sit there for 10 minutes every day and go, I like apples. Like You just get bored after a couple of days. You won't do it. What's great about karaoke is if you practice singing songs in languages you don't know, when you, like Korean or something, like I can, I can sing in eight different languages. So oh, when, wow. I go back, when I go back to the three languages I actually do speak, English, French, and Tamil, super easy for me to pronounce words in those languages because I understand the words and I understand what I'm actually saying. So if you can learn to pronounce those words. So I just got that randomly from an experience in karaoke. So always keep an open mind to things that, um, things you might not be aware of. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. And that's super interesting how you're kind of like pioneering these new ideas in public speaking. It's a strong that... word I've been trying to make sure. <laughs> yeah, so what's your favorite part about running your YouTube channel or coaching people? What's your favorite part about that? Being in control, probably. I think, I think what's great about being a, um, a content creator, and you probably know this, is you can do whatever you want. Right. Yeah. You could be as bad as you want, as good as you want. And I think that freedom is really beautiful because 20 years ago, that was not a possibility, literally. Like you couldn't, you know, there was a bunch of gatekeepers who were like, oh, this Brendan guy, he's talking about roses in karaoke. We're not going to get him to coach our executives. Screw this guy. Whereas now, you know, you, you, we live in an area where the market is just the market. Like if you're good at what you do, people will follow you. And if you're not good at what people you do, people, you will also know that, right? And I think that's great. And that's why people like Gary Vaynerchuk, who's literally, for people who are listening, a 42-year-old old white dude, right? He has millions of followers on Instagram, right? Because the market spoke for itself. He has talent. He has things to share, and people want to hear it. So I think that's, uh, that's the best part. Yeah, so I think that it's nice that, like, you can kind of, like, reach anyone and anyone can kind of be your audience, which, yeah, is definitely very admirable. So kind of branching off of this, could you describe your favorite project that you've worked on through your career? Yeah, there's there's definitely a bunch, but I think I think one in particular is really just the impact, Max. So let's say, for example, uh, I like one, one email I got a couple of months ago. So there's this woman who's a mental health advocate, right? She's deathly afraid of public speaking. She watched a couple of videos and now she's the best presenter in her community, right? And she, you know, she uses the tips so that now she can talk a lot more about mental health and that thing. So I think for me, what really gets me excited is not the people that can afford me. I mean, that's great. You know, the C-level executives I coach, that's cool and everything. But I think the, the, the most interesting things is that, you know, that nine-year-old girl, that 11-year-old boy who's like, has that lemonade stand right and tries to raise like 50 bucks for a charity they care about if i could do that at scale right because i'm a youtuber and i'm like quote unquote like famous i'm not famous you know what i mean like but people like admire like youtubers so if i could just do that at scale with like a million kids the impact that would have is crazy and i think that's what drives me that which makes this project exciting yeah i think that's yeah very admirable and again just kind of like reaching lots of different types of people through the internet, which is something that we probably couldn't do, you know, 
10, 20 years ago, which is literally honestly crazy to me. Like, I mean, what, YouTube was 2005? Like, yeah, like literally, none of us were on Facebook 15 years ago. Like, people don't understand that. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. Awesome. So, kind of segueing into your business with like coaching different executives, do you kind of have a mold that you expect like every executive to fit into or is it like each person's just like so different that each experience is different definitely a mix of both so in the sense that for example let's break one of these myths right now you know introverts are bad speakers it's probably the dumbest thing i've ever heard in public speaking there's a lot of dumb things i hear in public speaking but that's one of them right mm-hmm. so it's oh no you're too shy you can't share a message but the rebut to that is what about the introverts who are in theater they're not scared of public speaking they do well so like how does that make any sense how could you just create a generalized statement for the whole of humanity right so i think the way that i see it is there's a framework that people should follow that i'm happy to talk about today but at the end of the day you need to apply that framework in a way that's unique to you so let's talk about the extrovert versus introvert conversation the the question is not which one of the buckets do you fall into but rather are you willing to learn from the bucket in which you are not. Okay, so for example, if you're an introvert, you have a couple of advantages that not many people talk about. You're very good at pausing because you know, you're know you very good at like taking those pauses because you spend a lot of time not talking. Whereas someone like me yaps a lot, hence why I do podcasts, you know, I'm yapping all the time. But because of that, whenever there's a silence, I get really uncomfortable, like, oh, I gotta talk. Introverts don't have that issue. Number two, the other thing that introverts do well is they're really good at listeners, right? So if you contrast that to extroverts, we're very good at voice projection, so we can lower our vocal tones or heighten them up based on how we're speaking to someone. And we're also not scared to look people in the eyes because we're always at events, whereas introverts might be more scared. So the key is not which bucket you're in, but figuring out what style you have. And if you're an introvert, are you willing to learn from the extrovert? If you're an extrovert, are you willing to learn from the introvert? So that's really the key, is learn from everyone's perspectives and then follow a framework so that you can master your own unique public speaking style. Yeah, definitely. I think that's like super interesting and like a different way to look at it than we might look at it because you might like say like, oh, you know, like these are my flaws, but you know, like nobody really has any like public speaking flaws. You just have things that you can improve upon. So could you kind of explain a bit more about that framework you were talking about? Absolutely. So a couple of things. So the first thing that we can talk about right now is where does the fear of public speaking come from? Because it doesn't really matter if you're an executive or a seven-year-old or a 15-year-old or a 25-year-old. You're all, we're all scared of public speaking in every part of the world, and we don't know why. So let me expand on that. The question or the million-dollar question to ask yourselves is where do we give most of our presentations? It's probably where the answer is. For most of us, it's school. High school, college, university. That's where the answer to where our fear of public speaking comes from. We're sitting in a high school. Three things happen. One, we never present something we're passionate about or care about. It's either history class with the Renaissance that we think is like a fruit or something, or some other topic that we don't really care about. Two, students who are listening to us don't care. Not because they don't care about us. We're all good people here. We're all nice human beings. The issue is that they're worried about their own presentation. So let's say you're presenting in a high school classroom or college or university. People who are sitting there aren't listening to you, not because you're a bad speaker. That's actually opposite. You're a great speaker. The issue is they're thinking about their own presentation because they got to go in 10 minutes. 
So you're sitting there like, what? I mean, you're standing there thinking, why isn't anyone listening to me? I must suck. That's not it at all. Yeah. I'm just scared about my own presentation. Number three, teachers. Teachers are very well educated, very well intentioned. My sister is an English teacher. The issue is that they're too stressed to coach us. If you've got 50 students in a classroom, you've got two classes to go through everybody, they're not going to sit you down and go, hey, Mac, let's spend 10 minutes talking about your presentation. Nobody does that, right? So let's reiterate. We never get to present something we care about to students who don't care to listen to us, to teachers who are too stressed to coach us. And this behavior gets perpetuated in everything. History, math, sciences, languages, music, gym, on and on and on. We're taught to believe that public speaking is a chore. It's a responsibility. If we're at school, it's tied to a grade. If we're at work, it's tied to a result. No wonder we all, we're all scared of it. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with the system in which we grew up learning public speaking. So the first part of understanding the framework and how I coach people is understanding where the fear comes from. Fear is not your fault in most cases. It's because of the, I mean, if you give 100 presentations in your life and all of them are forced and all of them are to topics you don't care about, to audiences you don't care to listen to you, you're probably not going to get a great result out of that in public speaking. <laughs> the remedy to that is creating a repeatable presentation. So the challenge now that we're in, Mac, is we're presenting topics we don't care about to people who don't want to listen to us, to teachers who are too stressed to coach us. So the key, and I'll literally make this a coaching session because I know what the presentation is for you, is you want to present one topic that you care very deeply about that solves a problem for somebody else. And if you do that same presentation a hundred times, that is how you become an exponentially amazing speaker. Because most people, this is what they do. They take a presentation at school or at work. They spend a week on it. They dump it, move on to the next one, dump it, move on to the next one, dump it, move on to the next one. Whereas when you're in debate, when you're in podcasting world, you're doing the same thing every time, right? It's we're, we're debating this issue. We're debating that issue. We didn't debate this properly, Mac. Let's debate this one again. Let's debate this one again. Then your arguments get better. Your confidence gets better. Same thing with piano. We don't try and play 15 different songs with the piano. We play one. We master it. And then after we master that song, our friends come up to and say, hey, Mac, you're a really good piano player. And you go, yeah, I'm the best, even if you only know one song. <laughs> and then you get the confidence. So for you, to make this super simple, your presentation that you can do 100 times is a presentation about your own podcast. What are you trying to achieve with this? What is the goal? Who are you trying to help? Because that presentation you can do forever, depending on how long you want to do this, because you're always, you always need to find ways to promote it. So if you're at a local community at university or wherever you are, you can go and present this thing. But it's something you can do a hundred times. And all the best speakers do that. Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, best example. This is his presentation. So guys, uh, been, uh, came from Belarus, Soviet Union, uh, came to the States. You guys got any questions for me? Same thing, 13 years, gets paid 125 grand per speech. <laughs> That's the key. Yeah. Yeah, and I definitely agree with, like, a lot of the speech-heavy activities. It's just about repetition and, like, you know, repeating and doing speaking drills before every tournament and, you know, things that, like, you might not assume, like, make you a better speaker, like, you know, doing the drill with the pen in the mouth or, you know, the drill that you explained before or will even take, like, you know, random books and you have to read them in the most interesting way possible. Doing all of those, like, boring things kind of add up into 
like a great end result, which I think is like so satisfying when it comes to public speaking. Yeah, so is that like one of the best parts is just kind of like seeing the result of somebody who like thought maybe wasn't like a great public speaker before, but now like they are and yeah, is that pretty gratifying or? Absolutely. No, it sucks. No, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> super gratifying. I think one, one great thing that I love about this is I spent my whole life right presenting in a language I didn't even know because I grew up in a French curriculum. You know, my French, you know, my parents brought me to French school. I didn't know anything. And if I could master public speaking, coming from a second language to English now, I believe anyone can do it. And my youngest client is six years old. It's one of my executives' kids. And, you know, she, you know, she came up to me and she's like, well, Brenda, I don't like public speaking. And I go, but what do you love? She goes, well, I like school. So I go do a presentation on that. In four weeks, she's a lot better than a lot of my executive clients. And I'm always happy to tell them to their face because <laughs> the kids are a lot more open-minded to new ideas. So if I tell you know, her to do like this weird exercise, like the random word exercise we just demonstrated. The executive will go, well, what's the point of presenting trees, Brenda? I was like, you don't get it. Whereas the kid is just going to go, whatever. Like, I got to present trees. And then three weeks, she's like, mind blown. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. And that's so sure. interesting. Yeah. So kind of changing gears for a little bit. If you could go back and change one mistake you made early on in your career, what would it be? Right. So I think one thing that I would highly advise people to do, this is kind of like the quote I like to share with people, is my favorite one of all time. And if I known it earlier and implemented it, I'd probably be a lot more successful now. I'm not too bad. I mean, I'm 24, so I'm still doing okay. But, yeah. you know, you know, still, it would be great to, to be this successful, like, 20 or something. Anyways, the, the quote is, be insane or be the same. So what I mean by that is if especially if you're this late into the podcast you're still listening to this right which is great so if you're still listening to this you probably want to do something with your life you probably want to do something interesting let me tell you something mckenzie it takes a lot of guts to start a podcast like this i don't really know how old you are so i'm not going to ask you but the point is it takes a lot of guts to do that and i had the exact same issue or the same situation i was 22 when i started master talk who the hell am i to teach communication tips to the world and that is the point. If there is something that you believe in, if you start making decisions that only make sense to you, that is when you start living life. So I'll give you the best example. Started this YouTube channel, Public Speaking at 22. Started coaching C-level executives. Why are they listening to me at 23? But I'm also having this very conversation with you on a mattress in my mother's basement. And I don't plan on moving out of my house for another five years and I also don't own a car. How does any of that make sense, right? Because our parents or people that we look up to go, well, well, Brendan, you're a grown man. You make decent money. You should go live with yourself. And that's the point. When you start making decisions that only make sense to you, that is the quickest way to success. When you figure out what do you actually believe? Do you need to get married at 30, have two and a half kids, and like have a white picket fence and retire for 65 even if one of the big actors from black panther literally died today at 43 so the point is when you start making decisions that only make sense to you you're probably going to win yeah i think that's like a really good quote to just kind of like lift up our days and everything yeah so yeah that's a very interesting story too so um finally what's some advice that you'd give to somebody who still has a fear of public speaking after listening to this podcast and how can they kind of get out there and just test it today 
Right, so definitely the random word exercise is one easy thing that anyone can do. Mm -hmm. But I would say the, the overarching uh, argument I want to give people is to spend some time asking yourself the following question, which is the following. How would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? You, if you start to visualize that world, everything becomes a lot more clear. So let's say you think, take me, and this is a good way of closing things up. Most people, option A, option B. And so option A is to do the thing, right? Whether it's a cooking YouTube channel, it's a podcast on fascinating jobs, doesn't really matter what the thing is. And option B is watching Netflix, right? You know, it's not a huge consequence. When you really visualize yourself as an exceptional presenter, you see yourself in the end game. This is option A and option B. Option A is to do the thing, right? Do the podcasting, do the YouTube videos on Master Talk. Option B is millions of people suffer. Every 16-year-old that I will meet in my life, or that I won't meet in my life, if I don't make the videos for them, nobody else will. So every day I decide not to do something, Option B means the millions of lives today and for the rest of time, since communication doesn't change, are all going to suffer if I don't do something about it. And that's the point. When you get really clear on one idea, one singular topic that you think will help one person, your fear of communication won't matter anymore. Wow, yeah, I think that's really interesting. And it, to anybody who still has kind of a fear or is apprehensive about that, that's definitely something that you should give a try to. All right, well, I think that kind of is a good place to wrap things up for today. Um, Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. You had so much, so many lovely things to say and so much interesting information to share with us. So thank you for coming on. My pleasure. A special thanks to Brendan for being the guest on today's episode. You can check him out on Instagram at MasteringYourTalk or on the MasterTalk YouTube channel. Brendan has tons of great free resources and public speaking tips, or you could book him for workshops and events for your business. You can check out this podcast on Instagram at Fascinating underscore Jobs underscore Pod, Twitter at Fascinating Jobs, or you can visit our website www.fascinatingjobs.xyz. Be sure to rate or review this podcast wherever you listen to let us know you're enjoying it. And if you or someone you know has a fascinating job, email us at fascinatingjobspod at gmail.com for a chance to be a guest on the show. Thank you so much for listening and enjoying this podcast, and I'll see you in the next episode.